When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Thank you, Mike Ross. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Leaf Sky, Episode 12, Season 3. Jim Taddy with you for the next half hour or so. David Alter, reporter, publisher, inside the Maple Leafs from SI Media, will be by to go over the Leafs streak that ended Thursday night in New York with a regulation loss to the Rangers. Before we get going, let's consider this. Hockey fans like the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The code is THPN. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. So, on to the hockey story. And this team, this Maple Leaf team, losing in regulation Thursday night in New York against the Rangers. The previous regulation loss was November 11th. It was the Hall of Fame game at home to Pittsburgh. This team has six regulation losses all season. They are eerily similar, and there's just so much to be said for what this streak has done to the Leafs individually and collectively. It just puts them on a different level in terms of what you think of them. And, of course, what lies ahead is much more important than the history lesson, and that will really define what happens to this team. But but they've really done a nice job getting to where they are at this point of the season, and there should be a lot of happiness about that. Where it goes, we don't know. Time now to check out our conversation with David Alter, reporter, publisher, Inside the Maple Leafs, SI Media. So, David, when you look back over the streak that ended uh, Thursday night in New York at Madison Square Garden, what, what do you come out of this with? I mean, there, there's a big enough sample size there and enough positives that it sort of puts the team at a different level, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the underlying stats, Toronto had a better game. They still have not lost a game this season by more than two goals, and that one was decided via an empty net. 
Um, it's they're, it, they're playing really competitive. Like that's the big thing. Even when they're losing, they're in these games. The doors haven't been blown off against them yet. And uh, eventually that streak was going to come to an end, or both streaks, actually, the team streak and Marner's point streak. And um, the Rangers are a really good team. They, are, they have been consistently a good team for many years now, and they have a lot of good pieces. And for some reason or another, Toronto was just a little bit off. Even though they performed well, they didn't look like the team that had been firing on all cylinders before they had their chances, but they didn't really get into the interior and then they didn't make some crisp passes and lacked a bit of execution. So um, all in all, the Leafs were kind of due for a game like this where they would lose in regulation and it wasn't an embarrassing loss by any means. It was kind of just an opportunities missed situation for Toronto and really how they rebound from this is going to be the real uh, telling point of what this Toronto Maple Leafs team is. Yeah, you know, it is curious. They have all the scores in front of me going back to the opening night loss, 4-3 in Montreal. There's a loss to Arizona that left a mark 4-2 because it was on home ice, 3-1 in Vegas, uh, 4-2 in Los Angeles, 4-2 against uh, Pittsburgh, the Hall of Fame game night, uh, and uh, this one, 3-1. And, and if you these are all regulation losses. When you put a circle around them, they're all eerily similar. It's the, you know, the, the Leafs didn't play the way they were capable of, but they certainly did not get blown off the ice. And, you know, that's a pretty good statement to say in mid-December that you have not had a stinker. You, you've had games where you didn't live up to your potential, but you, have, you, you haven't had a no-show. I've been waiting for it. Like I thought in Tampa, it was going to happen. There had been times where I just expected they're going to run into a team and then there's going to be a team that gives them a wake up call of where they're at in, in their development and where they are in the pecking order of the NHL. And that for some reason or another has not happened. And I think that's a testament to the Toronto Maple Leafs right now that they can be this solid defensively and be competitive and have an offensive flair at the same time. That is the real maturation of this team that we're at this point in. And uh, they've been in the thick of it. Even last year when they had that franchise breaking 54 wins and 115 points, there were a lot of stinkers in that. Yeah. There were, there were uh, remember the 10-7 game? Uh, remember the 7-1 uh, the loss against the Penguins? Yeah. Like th there are a lot of these ones and I can't point to a game like that this season. I mean, oh. it could still it could still very well happen. I mean, mathematically it, I would expect it to happen. Uh and every good team does go through something like that at some point. But yeah, they they just really haven't they haven't rolled over and they've had excuses this year where they could oh, yeah. roll over. Like especially with the way the defense uh, has been when it comes to injuries. And they had just had another one now. So the fact that they aren't doing that, they're getting the good goaltending, which was the number one question going into the season. And players have had to step up in roles that were not projected or expected of them. And they've been this competitive in all those games. Yeah. That's really good. I know Lee fans don't want to feel really good or content about anything, but that is... That is very impressive, and that, that can't be overstated. And now it's just a matter of, okay, they have this regulation loss. Do they continue to build off that and, and get right back at it in D.C. With, with points in the standings? Or does, does the slide start to happen now because they 
had been overachieving with all the things that were happening against them. So it's really up to them at this point. It is. It's kind of a weird story. So six regulation losses, um, and you go back. If you if you had to describe, I always play this game. How would you describe this to somebody who had been on the other side of the world for well since August? So so you're going to tell them that the team at mid December has six regulation losses, and then you would map out the concern level through all those six losses and even the overtime losses. And the person you're describing it to would say what? Yeah, what, I would, what concern? I would say they've they've been uncharacteristically perseverant and have not let excuses get in the way of dominating their opponents on most nights. And I, they they've not had that. Even when they've been good, they've either had a full personnel. You know, they've they've prided themselves on on their sports science and recovery team that they had very few injuries. I expected this year to be a challenge for the Leafs because when we look at averages, they had been so below the average of major injuries compared to other teams the previous years leading up to this that I thought, okay, maybe this is where things kind of come back down to earth because you could expect some injuries. I didn't expect it to be at the the level and position and frequency that it has been thus far. Yeah. But but um and then and then we'll see what the team's really made of. And maybe maybe this is the blessing that the Leafs needed to really allow players to develop because they weren't developing at the roles that they were in. They were getting little cups of coffees on an improved role, but that was it. I remember Timothy Lilligren and Rasmus Sandin, uh last season, the one time they got promoted to the third four D pair was in New York here. Yes. And that was a soft and purposeless game. And yep. they looked really bad in that game. And then yep. Sheldon had to walk back his comments. And then they didn't get a sniff in that position again. And we all know what happened the remainder of the season. Lilligren ended up finding his groove with Mark Giordano in a bottom pair role. And yep. then Rasmus Sandin got hurt and didn't even enter the playoff equation when he was healthy. So now they're actually allowing, because of injuries, they're actually allowing for guys to develop whether they intended to or not. And now you can actually feel comfortable that they have that experience and, and familiarity that if they have to get thrust into that position when everyone's healthy, that they're capable. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that Ranger game with the Leafs last year because there was that uh, defensive zone faceoff where Sandine and Lilligren got all messed up in their coverage, and that was a key goal. And that was yeah. sort of a, a tell that they weren't ready for that. But a year later, they're more than ready for that. And, and in fact, uh, we don't know what happened to, to Lilligren in terms of how long he's out, but that's a big loss. Yeah, it, it most certainly is. What was really surprising about that one, too, I mean, he – we did see him kind of leave the arena with like some sort of bandage wrap around his hand. It looks like it's some sort of hand injury. Mm. Um, but um, what was really interesting about that was usually the, the Leafs will let us know someone's not returning for the game or whatever the case may be. And then after some follow-up, they just didn't update his that, even though he didn't return to the game, which leads me to believe based on, patterns that it's probably not anything super long-term in that regard because i think there was probably this long push until the very end to see if it could it could come back and usually if it's something major or something they just want to dismiss they would have just ruled him out right away because he had missed all of the third period but the last five minutes of the second period too so it could be a good sign 
Um, I'm sure he might have to miss something. We'll find out tomorrow or Saturday, I should say. But um, yeah, it's it's a tough blow. That would be a second injury this season. Jordy Ben is at least activated from injured reserve, so they have a guy like him who can kind of step up and and kind of fill in some minutes. So they're as guys are getting hurt, other guys are getting on the mend, and so they've shown some depth and. Jordy Ben's a very popular player in the short time he's been here in Toronto. So you add all that together and they should be all right. But yeah, the the defense, it's too bad what happened with Lilligren in that regard, but uh, they can, they can uh, get that and perhaps be a good spot for them going forward. We'll see. I, I find the uh, description of the team for me certainly has changed. I think a lot of people would agree. And I find it was so seamless that I had to sort of stop myself and go, Hey, that's how I would describe a Stanley Cup contending team during the regular season. So first thing you look for. So when you have six regulation losses and you've got the you know the streak that they've been on and, and even the overtime losses, which are really nothing to worry about, you've got a team that really doesn't give anything away. That you know, they, they do make mistakes from time to time, as all teams do, but they're not gift wrapping stuff the way they used to. And I, I think that you know that defensive uh, responsible or, or tightness is something that has just sort of, uh, you know, slowly crept into the game, but it's there on a consistent basis. I think injuries, and I know we go back to that, but I think injuries to their goaltending situation was kind of a blessing in disguise and forcing the Toronto Maple Leafs to play better defensively. And what I mean by that is um, Matt Murray gets hurt. Elias Samsonov goes on a run. He gets hurt within the injury on November 5th against the Boston Bruins. Eric Schalgren comes in, and Schalgren had not won a game yet up until that point. And that game in Carolina on the second half of back-to-back with a goalie who hasn't won yet, the Leafs threw a lot of things out the window in terms of offense and aggressiveness and just stayed back and insulated their goaltender and played tight on the back line and just tried to beat Carolina on transition it demonstrated a different type of way for the Toronto Maple Leafs to win a game. And I think it opened up their eyes to allow to adjust for what the situation calls for. Because what have we seen from the Leafs in the past? It's drop pass, go in, you know, kill them with aggressive forechecking and offense and let offense rule the day. Where now defense has kind of been the identity of this team. And it 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 kind of was born out of a necessity to to actually play it to succeed because your offense wasn't quite there and now your top two goalies were out of the equation and you had your third stringer who hadn't won a game yet and so it was a real reality check for the Leafs that you've got to hunker down and show that you have this other way of beating good teams when the odds are stacked against you and and that's something they can use now they can go into opponents and opponents can be like, look, this is their situation. They're not necessarily going to play this game. They might play the other game, and we're going to have to adjust on the fly. And you're seeing that. Like, remember, like I see dumping chases now. I don't remember uh, Leafs team under Sheldon Keefe doing dumping and chasing uh, w- when that was happening. They weren't getting offense against the Rangers the other night. And in the second and third period, I was seeing a dump and a chase. And I'm like, okay, well, this team is doing different things. There's, they, they, They've learned now that, they have to adjust for what the situation calls for and what the temperature of the game is. And now they've proven that they can do that. 
Yeah, that's that's a good point. I've said before that, you know, what this team does is they play the game. They're in the moment as opposed to that um, sort of um, sketch where they had to win a certain way. And they just kept running the, you know, the the offensive plays to, to because that's what they were capable of. And the stretch pass was the death of the team. Uh, and, and now this is a team that's in the moment and does what it has to do. That point about that weekend, you know, that Boston game, uh, the, the Boston Carolina back to back and Samson up goes out. In the Boston game, uh, they won that game, which was probably their best game of the year. Then they go into Carolina the next night and win but the way you described it. And in the past, that would have been a guaranteed loss, the game in Carolina. Yeah. And they probably wouldn't have hung on to beat Boston the night before. Th- th- that really describes the difference in this team. Yeah, and, and look, even though Shalgren, you know, played cleanup, made seven saves, didn't allow a goal, the team played back. Like, they, they did. They they didn't go over aggressive to run up the score and feel the need that they had to win by three or four goals. They, they protected the lead and they didn't do it in a way where they were playing scared. They, they played tight defensive hockey. It's a cliche we hear all the time where defense wins championships. But the reason why it's said a lot is because it's true. Like when things get really tight, the teams that are able to kind of limit or eliminate the space from around the net are the ones that succeed in the end. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's that, that's a real turning point. There's a lot of different good things that the Leafs have done this year, but like, I, I like to use football as an analogy for like a lot of sports where if you come out with a different playbook, then the other team has to do more and, and, uh, and, and you're less predictable. And that allows your offense, your defense, whatever play you put out there to have a higher level of, uh, possibility for success so so that's what the Leafs have done this year that's the big difference I keep saying it's early it's early but we're at 31 games now and like this is a significant chunk of the season where you have to actually start looking at the data points that they've provide they've provided for fans and and look at the fact that you know there's some real promising stuff there now we'll see I of course like there's always the hedge right like you don't know like, how do they react after this regulation loss? But for the most part, you know, they've been gangbusters out there in the season. When they haven't lost by that much, it shows you that the the team has even said it when I talk to players that they there is more of a defensive identity with this team than there was in previous years. Well, and another way you would describe this team is, is, is a way that you would certainly describe the Stanley Cup caliber team as they play uh, the way they play. And some nights it works out and some nights it doesn't. And uh, that doesn't mean you you trash the system. It just didn't work out. And, and I think that's how you would describe the game in New York on Thursday night. It just didn't work out. That's all. It didn't work out. And they also didn't execute on their chances. Like that was a little bit similar to early in the season when they were struggled, which is why I think Sheldon Keefe wasn't very pleased after the game. I mean, he's never in a super good mood after a loss, but I think he also realized that, you know, the possession stuff, all that other stuff should have suggested to them that they should have won the game, but they also had 29 giveaways compared to nine from the Rangers as, as much of a subjective stat that is when the disparity is that big. Yeah. That's, there, there, there is a higher element of truth to it. Like if you want to take a plus or minus four or five hits based on the subjectivity yeah. of it. But other than that, yeah, it was that's that's unforced errors. That's the Leafs having the puck and just not being as crisp on their ex- execution 
And that was a little bit like the Leafs in October where, you know, they were pushing a pace, but then there'd just be, uh, there would just be a lot of unforced errors and, and turnovers in their own zone. So I think that's, um, I, I think that was probably the only pause that Sheldon Keefe had after the game that he's, he wants to make sure he can rectify that, but also the team has today off. So he's only going to have a morning skate to kind of address it before they play Washington. And, with that little bit of time, hope that they can make sure that this doesn't become a, a pattern going forward. Okay, here's here's something that I like. I'm going to play this game. It's actually a variation of Yes Guy, No Guy. So I'm going to go Yes Guy at Camp and Holmberg as the third and fourth line centers. I think these guys complement each other. I think they're rock solid. They can skate. I mean, they're really good. That's a great one-two punch in the third and fourth line down the middle. And, and really the strength, one of the strengths of this team is right down the middle, my no guy or concern is the left side of Tavares Marner or Tavares Nylander, whoever, whatever the setup that is. Let's just say the left side of the Tavares line. That's that's just an ongoing problem. It works for two or three games, and then you got to change it. Yeah, so I agree that the the third and fourth line centers have never been stronger. Pontus Holmberg has has really surprised many, except for those who watched him in in Sweden and other people you talk to uh, that. He's just so present and not not at all acting like a rookie on the ice. And what was really telling to me was in the second period, that line was getting a lot of ozone uh, face-offs because just nothing was going. And he had the trust to just put either camp or mo- more than more often than not, the Pontus Holmberg line in the offensive zone draws. Remember, the visiting team has the first change. So he's picking that. He's not doing it to match. And and that kind of gave me pause. And I know I know Sheldon Keith has been super impressed with Pontus Holmberg. You know, it famously said a few weeks ago that he can't find the mistake, which was frustrating because you want to have those moments with the rookie where you can kind of take him along. And the fact that he isn't able to do that is a frustratingly good sign about a, a guy who just seems like an everyday NHL or the moment he steps out onto NHL ice and and does all those things that they need from a a bona fide bottom six guy. He he's a guy who just came in and knew exactly what he was and is exactly what the Leafs needed in that spot that they haven't had for a long time. So by the trust that he seems to have in Pontus Holmberg is is very high to the point where in that second period when the offense wasn't going that he was just ready to put him there for offensive zone faceoffs was something else. I mean it didn't work necessarily, it didn't get offense, but Pontus Holmberg had that really nice goal uh, in Pittsburgh, where he, uh, you know, put a top shelf over the glove, so he has the offensive ability as well. David Camp does too, um, but yeah, that the top six, I agree with that. No guy in a sense that um, I talked to, I asked Sheldon Keith a few games ago if he was surprised that he had split up Matthews and Marner for as long as he had, just because he's usually so quick to reunite those guys when things are back to normal or whatever, but with the point streak, I don't think he wanted to mess anything up there. And he admitted that it was fair to say that, that he usually does kind of go back. And I think we're going to see that going back in terms of the, the Matthews Marner and then Tavares Nylander. And then the, the team definitely needs, uh, like if you're looking at trade deadline acquisitions, they need a top six left winger They've clearly shown they've got the goaltending. 
they've got the defense. Like the defense is is a plus plus right now with the injuries that they've they have had to overcome and still play very well. That anyone coming back is pretty much a trade deadline acquisition at this point. And uh, but that second line left winger spot, Nick Robertson was supposed to be the guy. Alex Kerfoot has had a turn on the guy. Pierre Engvall got some opportunity the other game, and maybe he moves into that spot because Dennis Mulgan has, has, has looked okay at times, but doesn't look, look like the answer in that spot. So they don't really have an answer in that spot. And so that's what they really need to fix right now if they want to have pure scoring threats because offense is down. We, we've acknowledged that. But they need someone there who can, you know, get guys like Tavares and then I guess Nylander in that situation if they split back going because that's that's the way it's trending right now. Yeah, that's um, uh, let's end on this. To me, that's the missing piece. When everybody's healthy, you just go to that left side of the Tavares line and you go, if that was, uh, you know, what we used to call a power forward or somebody with some uh, uh, abrasive nature to their game with 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 puck skill and could skate with these guys, uh, that would be the the missing piece. But having said that, let's let's play with this. What is you know, what, what would they be willing to pay to get that? Because I think that's when, when it comes down to, you know, you find the guy, how do you get him? Well, it depends, right? Like if it's just a trade deadline acquisition for the season, it's going to be tough to give a high amount of things. Like there is a Bo Horvat out there. There's like so many things that are kind of out there in terms of the market. I don't know. I think you have to go with an everyday possible player, an expiring contract, and a and a draft pick at that point. Um, if you want to get someone with term, maybe with a rental, it's like a high, it's like a higher uh, draft pick. So um, yeah, like it's it's going to be um, it's going to be very tough in that regard. I I don't know because every year the market seems to be kind of dumb. Two years ago, the Leafs. Gave up a first round pick for Nick Felino, and yeah. that didn't work out. Then the following year, no one wanted to pay for rentals, and the highest picks were going were like second and thirds, and and the Leafs didn't sacrifice any first round picks to get Mark Giordano right. So uh, maybe that's what it takes is a second round pick. But you know, if it's going to be someone who's going to be good and young in that spot, and no ifs, ands, or buts can really produce, not like a, a project person in that position then then uh the cost is going to be high but that's that's really what it's going to come down to david thanks very much appreciate your time you got it last minute of play in this podcast okay thank you mike ross time warning is now running lickety split yes guy no guy on the way out yes guy no guy number one the leafs have climbed a big mountain oh yes guy they have nice job by the way to the leafs on that don't know where it goes but they have climbed a mountain they are in a different spot and they're better for it. yes guy no guy sad to see the streaks go no guy not at all this is part of the game maybe start another streak or maybe not it doesn't really matter the streaks stand as a moment in time they're to be applauded and you move on final yes guy no guy concern level is low at this point yes guy it is low not really concerned about anything not expecting another streak to start tomorrow but if it does it'll be appreciated well hope you enjoyed episode 12 season 3 of leaf sky hope you come back next week for episode 13 in the meantime happy holidays to all and to all a good night